Did you know it is vital that we take account of how our bodies, minds, and emotions are treated on a day-to-day basis? This week's episode of Taste Test Live is sponsored in part by Intercourt Holistic Day Spa, a wellness escape that specializes in a variety of holistic treatments, ranging from Swedish table massage, yoni vaginal steaming, liposage, facial pampering, ear candling, and more. Personalize your piece inside the inner court by visiting Inner Court Holistic Day Spa at www.innercrt.com or by calling 904-444-7286. This week's episode of Taste Test Live is also brought to you in part by our audio sponsor, WJCT 899FM. WJCT is the NPR member public radio station in Jacksonville, Florida. The station has been on air since 1972 and airs NPR news and talk during the week and a mix of news, talk, eclectic music on the weekends. Want to help WJCT? Visit their website today at WJCT.org to find out how you can be a part of community-supported public broadcasting. If you like Taste Test and you want to keep the music digestion sessions going every week and get some exclusive bonus content, stick around afterwards for details. But first, let's start the show. Have a taste. Hey, what's jazzing? What's jazzing? No, man. Come on, what's jazzing? Oh, jazzy. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's time for Taste oh, Test Live. I'm Damian Lamar, producer and host of Taste Test, the urban mix show that airs on WJCT 89.9 FM, Northeast Florida's NPR station. Taste Test is a one-hour, twice-weekly music program. It comes on Tuesday and Saturday at 11 o'clock Eastern, 8 Pacific. And I'm excited to be back again for another great week of record industry updates, music news, laughs, and an amazing interview coming up. Uh, Joining me in Studio One are both my Taste Test Live co-hosts, Blue Francois Extraordinaire and... MJ Baker. Welcome back. Yes, Hello. Yes, we're here. <laughs> yeah. So, Blue, can you take a quick moment and tell our first-time listeners what they can expect on Taste Test Live? On the Taste Test Live podcast, you'll hear what we call music digestion sessions. Each week, we feature artists, interviews, awesome backstories, and feature exclusive songs from our guests. That's right. Our goal is to keep our podcast subscribers happy by offering new, fresh content Get in touch with us if you want to promote your upcoming single, new album, documentary, or just drop by to share your newest project. Yeah. You can do that by heading over to our website at tastetest.live. Head over to our contact page and complete the form to be a guest on our show. Mm -hmm. That's right. I'm so very excited. Um, Coming up, we have Christina Paris-Stone from Friends of Hemming Park. Exciting. And Ebony Payne English from the Performers Academy. That's my girl. award-winning poet. I'm really, really excited to interview those two ladies. But right now, it is time for... Put this in your mouth. (laughs) (sighs) We got a little soul and rock and roll with that one. I have been working on that for two days. So. That was impressive. Very much. Nice Don't job. quit your day job. <laughs> <laughs> I won't. <laughs> so first up, um, according to I, I, I saw this, and I'm gonna lead with this one um, because I, this is hot, right? Hot, hot, hot. Super. Hot. According to Gabby Sidibe, who is uh, 
the co-star on Empire with Jesse Smollett. She posted an image of Jesse Smollett and um, the text read two and a half weeks after filing a 16 count indictment against Jesse Smollett, the prosecution asked the court to dismiss all 16 counts. They especially conceded that they that the indictment should be filed in the first place. Uh, Nole Pro, which is short for no prosecute. And my Latin is horrible. That's Latin for no more prosecution. And it's another way of saying that the cast is voluntarily discontinued by the prosecutor. Jesse's record will be fully expunged and cleared. Mm, you got a million dollar show and he tainted the show. They had to do something like that. What do you mean? Like if they would have continued with it like I, I read some reports where they were saying that it was kind of just a waste of time to put energy like Chicago police had said that you know and, and one of the like the I'm sorry the prosecutor they were saying that they felt like it was just a waste of time to con- to continue to pursue this case and and give him like time and sentencing and, and do a whole trial like it wasn't even worth it mm. But this is when, like, this was posted the same day that they dropped the charge. Like, hey, we just didn't even want to, you know, continue it. So I'm just like, what? And they also said in the article, they looked at the evidence and didn't feel like he needed to be prosecuted. Yeah, which is why they dropped all 16 counts. All 16 counts. Like, so do you? So do you think this means is he innocent, or is he no. just, or is he did he just get a really big break here? The clean up his act, he yeah. got a break. Yeah. Now, um, how I want to ask you to what do you think the implications on his career because of what happened and what's been happening over the last two months? How had how do you feel like that that is impl- uh, that implicates his career strategically? And, you know, I definitely, you know, going back to what MJ Baker said uh, a while back about this mafia thing, strategically, I think that this will be his redemption to open up his opportunity to do other shows or to solidify his 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 place on this show so that they, they can continue making millions of celebrating, you know, the culture that's on the show. So I just feel like it's a conspiracy. So do, so do you think that, and, and, and pardon my ignorance, do you think Fox, the Fox Network, who uh, actually is running the Empire show, do you think that they're going to be okay Mm-mm. going forward? No. How has this changed? Well, I don't think his career is over because people love a comeback. Yeah. They love, you know, to see redemption. Um, but I do believe that... He's going to have to get better at what he does. Like, you know, because vocally he's not very strong. Mm-hmm. He, you know what I mean? He just, he's a good writer and he had good, great production. So. And apparently has got great, great attorneys. <laughs> right. <laughs> Amazing. Well, great, 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 great. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't know that Fox will take him back. I mean, yeah. because I think too many people don't believe him. So. I mean, and we all know that when people see you on television, they think that's who you are in real life and Mm -hmm. vice versa. So, you know, I think his image with that show, I just say take take the way out like you were just saying and maybe expand to other places and see what else he can get. Yeah. 
I mean, that's my thoughts. Well, I'm sure next week we'll be talking about more developments with this whole thing. And I'm sh- oh I hope gosh. that he makes a statement um, and doesn't call him the... What did he, he call himself about Tupac? What did he say? The gay pop. The gay, the gay, Tupac. gay Tupac. The gay Tupac. I'm going to need him never do that again. Right. Uh, All right. What else is on deck, Blue? Justin Bieber uh, posted on his Instagram that he's definitely stepping away from music. Just temp- going on a musical hiatus to focus on like personal uh, issues in his life and also his marriage. Um, he want to start off his marriage healthy. He want to focus on, you know, home life. And then there's some personal things that he wants to get in order, like with, um, you know, just things that he's been dealing with um, spiritually. Because, you know, he was trying to do the uh, you know, faith walk, Christian walk, you know, religious movement thing. And so, um, so yeah, so he posted, say, hey, I'm taking a break. But when I come back, I'm going to come back bigger, better, stronger than ever. And um, a lot of it's been I saw I've been I read some of the comments. There's been some mixed reviews. Like some people felt like, you know, he wasn't in the industry doing something that was, you know, you know, like he, had, he he's not making his mark in the industry right now. So for him to take a hiatus when he hasn't really been releasing a lot of music, people kind of like, like, oh, hey, I didn't know you were still doing music anyway. So he's taking a hiatus from vacation. <laughs> <laughs> He's taking a vacation from the vacation. Yeah, I, I mean, I still, you know what? I still appreciate some of the music I've heard over the last two yeah. years. Like, you know, it was kind of. You know, like you know, he's—he's. He's, I think he's a very hip artist. Uh, I definitely do believe he's very confused because I know that he was trying to do the Christian thing. I noticed that he would post verses and when things that he was going through. You know what I'm saying? Because a lot. I of, mean, rightfully so, because he—he's young. Yeah. Right. How old is how was uh, Justin Bieber? Uh, you, should, you know what? I don't think he's. I don't think he hasn't reached thirty yet. No, no, he's like maybe twenty-five. So, so there's still a lot of self-discovery going yeah. on, and that's okay. That's to be expected. I, when I was young, I was just interested in doing what I was, what I thought. Of. I was supposed yeah. to do at that age. And, uh, so if I can say this, um, and some people may disagree, but I I don't feel like there's anybody in the industry like Justin Bieber. I mean, you have a lot of young guys now who are trying to copy that, but I think that if he... Okay. To me, Justin Bieber, which is, is ironic because... I think Usher, he founded yeah, him. Found, yeah. So he signed with Usher in the beginning. And he's very much like an Usher to the degree of when Usher went away for a little while, he what, he had his marital stuff yeah. going on. He had kids. He had a family. And then he came back with confessions. Yeah, I remember yeah. that. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and it started, you know, started him back again. So I do think that... Um, and then when you look at look at the generation like um, Selena Gomez, um, who's the other young lady that had some I drug think issues? Ariana Grande was in this. Oh no, Miley Cyrus. Not Miley, but also it's another young lady who um, I know you're talking about. Um, but that generation, they all seem to, <laughs> you know, all of them that came from the Justin Bieber class have some type of mental or drug issues all of it emotional and I think it's all because they didn't have that you know certain things got lost you know yeah. their innocence got lost which a lot of you know young stars do it's very very similar to all the people that were involved in the Mickey Mouse Club right that young stardom yeah definitely mm-hmm. and so I think this is very smart of him because he does have that Christian upbringing mm-hmm. um, he, he did actually when he when he first started, he was posting worship songs, mm. you know, and he was a worship leader in, you know, um, in his church. 
before he got discovered. So um, I'm saying that to say it makes sense because, you know, with Christian values, not saying that that's what he's following now, but with Christian values, you do. It does teach you to make sure your home is tight. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. in that I respect sense. It. I respect so, it. I mean, I don't think that his space is going to go anywhere because to me, you know, just like there's nobody like an usher. I don't care how many times Neo sings or, you know, he, he's not usher. Mm-hmm. He's you know not, what I'm saying? He's not no usher. He's not usher, but he has the great mad writing skills, though. So, yeah. Yep. So. Yep. So, uh, good luck with. Uh, Justin Bieber and Haley Baldwin, you know, wish them a lot of success and uh, come back to the music soon. Um, next, uh, Pop Sugar Entertainment um, had uh, reported that there was a surprise su- surprise proposal on American Idol this year. And I'm talking like I didn't watch it last night. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you something. I, I'm a, I like Katy Perry. I felt like she was like a... Um, I think she was like somebody who just rose like against the tide and just, you know, set her own, you know, kind of made her own way. So to see her judge American Idol, I actually can appreciate that. Like she's very real and straight up with them. And so when I'm watching this proposal, the young lady was like they, you know, she was on edge. She was just like, you know, she asked they asked her about being in love and. And uh, she was like, yeah, I think I'm in love and this, that, and the other. And so after she performed, luckily, she actually did pretty good. And um, after she performed, her her boyfriend came out and proposed to her. So her her boyfriend, 23-year-old Matt from Las Vegas. Yeah. He proposed. He proposed to her, yeah. And I actually, I didn't cry, but I actually kind of felt the tearjerker you know like when you feel like i mean because you know american idols well produced show oh yeah they had the music the lighting and then the guy and then people crying and then they showing um katie perry and she because you know she just recently got engaged to um um arlando bloom and so yeah oh i didn't know that so so she was so she was still on that highlight so she was like crying like she fell she she, there's a quote that says that she was such a beautiful moment but it may have been hurt the ugliest cry of her life yeah i mean she fell you didn't see it no yeah i watched it she fell to the ground and the camera came up close to her and you know and she's like get out of the way i mean it was so it was so amazing i'm just like wow megan is really good this This is really good tv it was really I mean, what, yeah. I mean, and it was the fr- and then it was the first ever um, proposal that they ever did on on American Idol, so it was amazing. Like, wow, yeah. So I really and speaking of American Idol, we next week we got William Oliver coming. Yeah, yes. he's I'm gonna, excited um, to interview him. Yeah, so he's gonna be telling about his experience and being on American Idol and being right here from Jacksonville. Uh, and I've been watching him, you know, like perform, doing live shows. So I was very excited because we're gonna be doing a session real soon for some of the things that he got coming up. And I say, hey, why don't you come on our taste test and yeah, give us some yeah. exclusive? So he, as well as Jawain and Jaren from uh, Jaren Walton oh, from Stank Sauce, that's gonna be will be here. So, yeah. oh nice, yeah, the yeah. brothers, the brothers, yeah. oh yeah, the Walton brothers. The Walton. Yeah, yeah. Good. So, so we're excited about having them on too. Um, what else do we have on deck for put this in your mouth, man? Oh man, uh, Page6.com and Hip Hop Ratchet. Um, resurface a video of Cardi B admitting to robbing and drugging men. Um, the singer then explained herself in the Instagram 
um, about the live recorded that was three years ago the rapper said i had to go strip i had to go oh yeah you want to f you know f me yeah yeah let's go back to this hotel and i drugged them and and she went on to say she admitted that she drugged them and she robbed them and that's what she used to do well i'm gonna say this she really she she's she's getting a lot of endorsements Mm -hmm. she's get she's um she's charting she's breaking records she did a Pepsi deal that helped her transcend where she's at and I feel like and then now she's doing a movie about her life of being a stripper I feel like certain things are working towards her that's making her elevate and then a lot of people are like bringing up things from because in the strip like me I used to go to the strip club a lot and I, I and that was something a where lot. a lot yeah and that was a concern like flashing money and women would pray on like hey oh he got some money not that not that it was praying on me but i would notice that certain men would you know like get robbed or you know like like even in jacksonville like that's a thing where like everybody know who the dope boys are everybody know who got money and sometimes they wind up dead you know what i'm saying wow i'm not blaming them on strippers but i'm just saying like it's a culture where women see opportunity and they'll go to any limbs of of doing it and it may not be to kill them it might just be like i'm just gonna get them because they want to have sex with me so i'm gonna get them for what they got and that's a mentality like you know that's what she said she's like hey i had to do what i had to do like you know if they wanted sex okay hey i would just set it up where i would you know give them molly's percocets and she did a live video me and mj was watching and she was just like saying hey you know this is what i did like you know like so I'm gonna, let's go down the rabbit hole for one quick second just mm-hmm. for my my own entertainment just right. for my, my guilty pleasure do you think it's acceptable in American society for people to continually judge people based on their past oh good question I don't think it's fair to some mm-hmm. like she to me well, I some could, not why, why not all everybody dips in the cookie jar every once in a while but once you totally make a 360 and leave that behind it's cool but for people who still they they bright me here and who still decides to say hey i'm still like robert Kraft from the um you know who, who you know who the patriots winner you know um, who wins the super bowl like for him to be so successful i can't blame him for being in a uh, uh being somewhere a massage uh, you know where they do happy endings like i can't blame him for that because that's his guilty pleasure but to get caught up in a situation where you just like you know like so so like the the point i'm trying to make is if you had a certain pinnacle of your life certain things that you should do you should guard your personal life at the highest and do whatever you want to do but make sure it's it doesn't bring you down once you get caught up right so in in cardi b's case what she's doing is she's sort of exposing her own skeletons because you know when you reach a certain level of success and you plateau like you Mm -hmm. said this pepsi deal she's now here oh she's 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 up at at this high a higher platform now and sure old people are coming back and they're saying you did this you did this to me she has to address those things she can't deny them anymore um it's just it's how she addresses it right right Yeah. yeah well and i think too it's like so if we pay attention to where she was three years ago and where she is now like if we look how old those videos were this is probably at a point where you know um like they did one where she you know they 
she did an interview on the breakfast club and they were asking her different questions and she was on love and hip-hop this is one of those videos was when she was just starting and well she's getting her mixtapes out and she was handing her stuff so at that time you're not conscious of image you're not you're not thinking oh i have a i could have a pepsi deal one day that's not the type of environment she came from. She came from the environment of get while you can. And then her personality is, I'm not going to be, you know, ashamed of what I'm doing. And, mm -hmm. you know, you could just tell she's a very open and broad person. And, um, and she, she's very real. I mean, she's not, she's she doesn't put on, she doesn't pretend to be something right. that she's not. Right. And I think, and I think if we take it to, instead of judging the lifestyle, you know, or judging judging you know her choices because that's something she felt to do and probably okay like one of her statements when she said oh yeah you know oh you want to sleep with me oh yeah 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 let's go to this hotel and so think about it you're a stripper men are grabbing on you all day they want to they're offering you money so what do you you do to that you you fake the funk and then you take them for the money. You don't want to give your body. Mm -hmm. So you just say, well, let me fake him out. You know, I mean, so, I mean, and, and in a sense, it's almost like I don't want to be the victim. So I'm going to make you the victim. And I'm not saying that that is right. Right. But I'm just saying the mentality is, you know, like we like I as a woman, I'm going to take control. And this is how I'm going to take the control. In, in, in various ways and so you know I hope you know I heard it's also going to be a book mm -hmm. and so I hope that you know who her, whoever her ghost writers are can really expound on that reality mm -hmm. because really the deeper issue is you know and I'm I'm just as a woman the deeper issue is she felt trapped as a stripper because she talks about how she needed money and her homegirl she was walk, walking working across the street and she she went in and somebody told her said you should go you know you, you you're really nice you have a nice body you should go strip and she went and in one night she made enough to pay her rent and so, so she got used to it real quick. Oh, yeah. Correct. So what I'm saying is it's like, okay, so for someone like someone in that position who's like, I want to be able to provide for my family. And she was able to give her parents money and able to help them with their living situation. So think about the mentality of, okay, you you wanna you wanna touch me and do this and do that, I'm gonna get you. Do you agree with the comparison between her and Bill Cosby? No, because, you know, Bill Cosby was not his. His was a sickness. Hers was survival. I really mm. believe that. I mean, and mm. I I mean, I feel like hers, her because if hers was a sickness, she'd still be doing it. OK, I, I see what you're saying. She she has the money and she has the means that she, she got out from that. Right. Because and she didn't continue that behavior. Correct. Mm -hmm. Because as soon as she got into rapping, she, you know, and and really started. So she found moving. another out. Correct. And that her outlet now is completely different and she doesn't have to rob anybody. Correct. Okay. Valid. Valid. I mean, that's, that's a really good perspective. Yeah. Really good perspective. That answers your other question about, you know, people with the past and is it okay to forget about it? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I just think right now in the, in our society, there are so many people that are that are quick to judge. Yeah, definitely. Quick to quick like you know, quick to assassinate somebody's yeah. character, mm-hmm. um, and and then they they'll they'll create the the comparison of mm-hmm. the same individuals that are okay, Bill Cosby versus Cardi B, and they compare the two of them right. without really looking at the perspective like you really I've never thought about it from, from that perspective so yeah, that's that's this, pretty yeah the circumstances and I think if people if people go back listen to her interviews and listen to the stories that she tells you know and she doesn't say a lot but she says enough mm-hmm. and if you go back and you really take a listen you will say okay I understand now you know what I'm saying and what her thoughts were and what her mentality and then look at who she is right now um so yeah that's awesome wow uh, we're going to take a short break and then we'll come back and interview our guests oh yeah I can't wait yeah I'm excited too yeah we'll be right back Welcome back to Taste Test Live. I'm your host, Damian Lamar, and I'm joined in the studio with Christina Parrish-Stone and Ebony Payne English. I want to take a quick moment to interview uh, these two ladies. They have a lot to say, and I'm so excited to have them on the show. Um, We'll start with Christina first. Christina is a longtime advocate of Jacksonville's urban neighborhoods with significant experience in historic preservation and the use of arts and culture as tools for community development. A resident of Historic Springfield, she retired from a 20-year career as an attorney specializing in real estate law, served as executive director of the Springfield Preservation and Revitalization Council for seven years, and now serves as managing director of Friends of Hemming Park, a nonprofit organization contracted by the city to revitalize the park in the center of downtown Jacksonville. Christina was responsible for founding Jacksonville Porch Fest, an annual music festival that brings thousands of people to Springfield to enjoy dozens of performances on porches and in parks throughout the historic district. A board member uh, or chair of several other civic organizations, Christina recently completed her goal of visiting each of the 50 United States and believes that Jacksonville is poised to end its reign as America's most underrated, underappreciated, and misunderstood city. Welcome. I'm so glad to be here. Thanks for having yeah, me. Yeah, what a rap sheet. Some people would call it a rap sheet. <laughs> <laughs> so I wanted to um, invite you on, and we'll, we'll introduce Ebony a little bit later. Um, I think Ebony has quite a, a bit of information to share, and I'm so excited to uh, to be on the tail end of National Poetry Month, yes. or the beginning of National Poetry Month. So, Christina, tell me a little bit about what you are doing now. So, I've been with Friends of Hemming Park for a little over a year now, and it's been one of the best experiences of my life. Hemming Park is like Jacksonville, one of those underrated places Mm -hmm. that should be celebrated. It's the heart of our city. It's the oldest park surrounded by some of the most important cultural institutions. Our local government is based adjacent to Hemming Park. We've got our fabulous art museum, MOCA, our downtown library, and lots of local businesses. So we believe at Friends of Hemming Park that we need to leverage what we have in Jacksonville, celebrate our history, bring people who live outside of the urban core into the center city 
bring tourists from out of state and from other countries to downtown. So at Hemming, we're doing um, everything we can to elevate the quality of programming in the park. We're bringing interesting performers in. We also are trying to celebrate the wonderful diversity of this city. I think too often we forget about all the people from many different backgrounds who make up the population of Jacksonville, who have so much to offer and um, so many interesting things to share. And our work with Jacksonville Poetry Fest is related to that. We're partnering with two other nonprofits, the Performers Academy, and I'm sure going to hear from Ebony about that in a few minutes, and Hope at Hand, which is the organization that actually started Jack's Poetry Fest several years ago. Jack's Poetry Fest uh, celebrates National Poetry Month, which is held throughout the month of April. Hope at Hand is an amazing organization that does poetry therapy. They started mostly working with incarcerated young women, and they've expanded so that they serve other groups, but they really show the power of the spoken and written word and how it can be healing and help people work through difficult situations. So they started Jack's Poetry Fest several years ago. It's been a smaller event, and I was very fortunate to become friends with the founder of Hope at Hand, Stephanie Fletcher, uh, when we were both in Leadership Jacksonville together. And then we had the, um, it's hard to say privilege because it was definitely a challenge. We both were working with organizations (laughs) that were applying for a cultural service grant from uh, Mm. the city of Jacksonville and the Cultural Council, which Ebony also knows about that. It is one of the most difficult processes you could possibly go through to hopefully end up with $1,500 or something like that the first year. And uh, Stephanie and I did that together for the first time and uh, really bonded over that. And over the past few years, we've talked about how we could um, elevate Jack's Poetry Fest. So this year, we're producing a lot of events in Hemming Park along with uh, Stephanie and Hope at Hand and Ebony and the Performers Academy. And it's hard to express how excited I am about the broad programming that we're going to bring to downtown Jacksonville. Yeah, so I'm, I'm, I too am excited being part of the team. So mm-hmm. um, this is the first time we've had something this extensive um, in the park, um, especially specifically in reference to poetry. Mm-hmm. Um, so a little bit about you, about you personally. Um, I know you served on the Spark Council, and I had the privilege of sitting on that board with you for at least two years while I lived in Springfield. Um, what is it like living in Springfield, or clo- what they call the urban core? I love it, and I um, I can't say I wouldn't live anywhere else in Jacksonville because I have lived in some other urban core neighborhoods, but um, there is so much happening in all of our urban core neighborhoods. Springfield lagged behind a little bit, and when I moved there, that's one reason that I got involved with Porch Fest and Spar was Springfield was kind of the stepchild, and I felt compelled to help move it forward. But I've also lived in San Marco and Riverside Avondale. I... Um, When I was working with Spar, I became acquainted with a travel writer who works is based in New York and, and works with some national publications and things like Fromers and Fodors and does a lot of writing, who really helped me understand how important the urban core neighborhoods are to Jacksonville. She had contacted Visit Jacksonville, and this is before our current wonderful director of Visit Jacksonville, Michael Corrigan, was there. Because she wanted to visit Jacksonville and write about Jacksonville on her very well-known blog, and she didn't really get any response from them. So somehow she found me. Uh, Someone said that she should talk to me, and as soon as she expressed interest in Springfield, which was still the stepchild at that time, 
I agreed to pick her up at the airport, take her on the home tour, drive her around, take her to other neighborhoods. And she and I became friends. She wrote her article for um, the HuffPost, I think it was. And she talked about how Jacksonville was a city of amazing neighborhoods, but really didn't have anything to offer downtown. Uh, And part of that was that she was insulted, that she hadn't been supported downtown. But I think it was also because I showed her a really good time and all the the neighborhoods, which are all thriving and each have their own distinct character. So, you know, Springfield is the oldest, the first neighborhood and tends to be, um, at least at that time, still had a lot of urban pioneers, people who weren't afraid to live in a neighborhood that had challenges that... Um, might keep some people from from living there. Mm-hmm. A lot of houses that hadn't been restored yet, and then of course San Marco is maybe the neighborhood that never had any real significant issues. Um, and Riverside Avenue has five points, and kind of the younger. Um, I think it was just ranked as one of the best neighborhoods for millennials mm-hmm. in in the country. But she came to Jacksonville, and she saw that Jacksonville had these amazing neighborhoods that our city wasn't talking about and sharing with the rest of the world. And um, I thought about that a lot, you know, after she shared that with me. And I also thought about the fact that she really thought downtown Jacksonville didn't have much to offer. And I think that's part of what led me to join Hemming Park because I think that any city to be a great city has to have a thriving, interesting, mm-hmm. exciting downtown. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I agree. So you have the beat, as they as they would say, on arts and culture, but also from a preservation, um, a historic preservation perspective. Um, what makes you like art the way you do? I know you spent some time in Savannah having worked with you. So um, I think from... A very early age, I, I was involved in art and studied art as a child and uh, was exposed um, by my parents. My mother was a writer and an artist um, and spent a lot of time um, visiting art museums and, and traveling. But I really didn't get seriously involved until I was in Springfield and started doing a lot of community development work and going to things like the Main Street America Conference and seeing how other cities were using public art as a tool for economic development. Mm -hmm. And we started um, sort of playing with that in Springfield. I was very fortunate to become friends with Jennifer Hager, who is the sculpture professor at UNF, and get involved with some of her sculpture walk projects. And we brought some of that to Springfield. We created some murals. We um, used proceeds from PorchFest to fund art, and we saw the impact that it had on the community. I've done a lot of research on the impact of public art in cities around this mm-hmm. country and around the world, and the the numbers back that view up that public art is a tool for economic development. It brings tourists to neighborhoods uh, who, of course, spend money in those neighborhoods. Right. Um, and as far as community development goes, there are a lot of studies that show that people who live in challenged neighborhoods who participate in public art projects or who view public art that's installed in their neighborhoods, especially if the public has the ability to influence what that public art is, develop um, a greater appreciation and love for their neighborhoods. 
I've heard so many times um, from people around Jacksonville, neighborhoods that are, are really struggling, and, and Springfield has gotten to the point that you can't really even call that a struggling neighborhood anymore. Anymore, yeah. But there are other neighborhoods on the north side of downtown that have much greater challenges in Springfield. And you'll hear people say, well, why would you put public art in? Because someone might um, put graffiti on it or destroy it. And I've heard over and over again from artists who've worked in some of those neighborhoods that when they engage the community and the community helps produce the public art, it's always protected. And mm-hmm. you don't end up with tags on the art or anything like, like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, it creates a sense of pride in the neighborhood. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm almost stymied. <laughs> Just a lot of information in reference to public art specifically. Um, but I can you talk about the upcoming sculpture project that's going to be in Hemming Park this summer? Yes. So that's a very cool project for several reasons. Uh, for one thing, Hemming Park being the center of the city um, is a place where a lot of people will get to see the art that's installed there. There's some challenges with the park because of all the pavement in the park, and so it's hard to do landscaping. And to make it beautiful, you need to add things that will sit on top of pavement. So the sculptures are going to make the park more beautiful, but even more exciting is the fact that we teamed up with the University of North Florida and provided some students who might not otherwise have the opportunity to participate in the public art process with a chance to um, present their um, artist statements and to create models and convince an art selection panel that their work should be selected for a project like this, which is something that as professional artists after they graduate, they'll need to do and that most artists have never had the experience of doing before. So we created, um, Jennifer Hager and I worked together and we came up with a plan to invite all of UNF's more senior sculpture students to create models uh, that would be displayed at the Museum of Contemporary Art and then um, evaluated by um, an art selection panel made up of arts experts and downtown advocates and then have a student selected to receive a stipend to create a large-scale sculpture, which can be very expensive and something students can't normally afford to do that would be displayed in this very public space. And um, Hemming Park with limited funds initially um, committed to fund one sculpture. So we gave UNF some money to help the students create their models, which were amazing. And of course there's cost and teacher time involved. And then our plan was that we would provide a stipend to one student that would allow them to cover all the cost of creating a sculpture. We'd pay the cost of installing it in the park, provide insurance, and help them to sell that sculpture while it was on display. Hemming Park wouldn't own it. It would be there for a year. And the idea is that every year we would have another sculpture added. Well, the students did such an amazing job and had such an incredible response from the public who were able to view the sculptures at MOCA for a whole month before the art selection panel met that um, a very generous friend of Hemming Park, Preston Haskell, agreed to provide additional funds so that we could select three students Mm -hmm. to create sculptures, which they found out the day that they were doing their presentations to the the panel. So they were very excited. And now we'll have um, three students installing those sculptures in June. I've seen pictures of the work in progress. 
It's uh, very exciting to see those little 18-inch tall models Mm -hmm. transformed into 6 to 12-foot tall sculptures that are going to be in the park. And we'll be celebrating that in June um, with the Cultural Council, who is teaming up with Friends of Hemming Park to produce uh, Jacksonville Public Art Week the same week that we install the sculptures mm-hmm. in the park. Nice. It's, that's very exciting. Yeah, um, really I, exciting. I love the fact that um, of collaboration. I think collaboration is key. Um, we're going to be obviously talking in a minute about collaboration on the National Poetry Month specifically, mm-hmm. but I think we can get a lot more accomplished if we put our heads together and yeah, uh, more organizations sure. come together and yeah. they, they begin to collaborate on different projects. You get more bang with your buck. You get more reach. Um, you can, the, the proverbial line, cast a wide net. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, since you've been on the team, it's been amazing, amazing changes, amazing collaborations, amazing ideas. So it's, um, it's, it's a joy working with you. And um, I want to have you jump in when you when you like, but I'd like to take a quick moment just to introduce Ebony Payne English, who's joining Hi. us also here in Studio One. <laughs> peace and light. Yeah, peace and light. Uh, I'm going to read your bio as well, um, Ebony. It's quite a, a little bit of a rap sheet as well. Ebony Payne English is a literary, literary artist, performer, and educator of Jacksonville. She's the first woman to establish her own chapter of the international poetry organization Black on Black Rhyme. She's also the 2017 Cultural Council of Greater Jacksonville's Emerging Artist and recipient of the Spoken Word Gala's 2017 William Bell Humanitarian Award. She's currently the Managing Director of the Performers Academy and uh, active member of the Southern Fried Poetry, Inc. Board of Directors. Um, As the author of the award-winning poetry collection Secrets of Ma'at, currently available on Amazon, Ebony has been featured in esteemed publications as well as digital outlets such as the Florida Times Union, Dernary v, v Magazine, WJCT's First Coast Connect, and My Black Matters. And in her 14 years of public experience, Ebony's performance accolades include the New Orleans House of Blues, Essence Festival, New Yorkian Cafe, Crossroads Theater, TEDx, Jacks by Jacks, as well as a countless other uh, colleagues, universities, and prestigious entertainment venues nationwide. Her discography includes five albums. Wow. Odd Soul from 2016, Struggles Embrace 2010, Ebb and Flow 2012, School Beats 2013, and No Love, which she brought to Taste Test Live. I'm excited about hearing that. Ebony's educational background features Douglas Anderson School of the Arts, New World Conservatory, uh, Conservatory, Florida A&M University, and Florida State University. Through her philanthropic work with Black on Black Rhyme, Jack's Foundation, and Jack's Youth Poetry Slam, Ebony's maintained a 100% college attendance rate amongst graduated mentees for over five years. She's also taught invitational workshop at venues such as the Tupac Amaru Shakur Center for the Arts, Morgan State University, HBO Brave Voices, the National After School Programming Conference, and the Department of Juvenile Justice. Welcome, Ebony Payne English. Hello. Hard time, man. Hard time. Yeah. (laughs) So you have a lot to say. Yeah. And, um, wow. I I, I have to preface by saying I don't write any questions down because I usually feed off of the energy that I'm getting from the guest. Mm -hmm. That's Um, what's up. I don't choose my set list when I feature. Yeah. I vibe off of the atmosphere of the guest. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a pleasure having you here. I've been wanting to get you here for a long time, and we booked this 
quite a while ago. Yes, we did. Um, Kim, so since we talked about National uh, Jack's Poetry Month, can you talk about your involvement through the Performance Academy with National Poetry Month? Um, sure. So uh, National Poetry Month is always like a big deal um, for Jacksonville because a lot of the nationally recognized poets, whether we know it or not, like Poetry Slam champions, are Jacksonville natives. It's amazing. Or touring car- yeah. college awesome. uh, poets. They're Jacksonville natives. And so many people like, had no idea about that, even though we shout out Duval everywhere. Like, right. Everywhere. You know, <laughs> yeah. Somebody's yelling Duval. Uh, some of our more intellectually based accomplishments, especially when it comes to artists of color, are often overlooked by the broad audience here in Jacksonville. And so National Poetry Month, there's always been an opportunity for me to like spread love to the poets who have been doing it and continue to do it in mm-hmm. a very big way and put on for their city globally um, every day. And so like I love I love it and um, Stephanie came to me and Tanya Smart with the opportunity to collaborate on the Jack's Poetry Fest. And um, I wanted to be part of it. I was a poet who previously, uh, in previous years that they did Jack's Poetry Fest, I didn't know much about it and like felt away like that I didn't know much about the festival like I felt like they celebrate everything they celebrate beer fest right Right. Um, but a poetry festival comes and Jacksonville is given this gift and then it's like um, it goes under the radar so uh, when Stephanie like asked if I wanted to be involved I said absolutely we teach poetry at the performance academy um, and much like Hope at Hand uh, we teach incarcerated youth and youth who have who are in need of behavioral intervention so that includes drug rehab and our foster teens and um so it was a natural collaboration for her and i to like Mm -hmm. cross paths and do something together and then uh we got the opportunity to collaborate with friends of hemming park and i'm a fan of christina parish and um, me too you know, like I have benefited from the work that she does to improve the quality of life for Jacksonville citizens. And yeah. so it was an honor to sit at the table with these women and put our heads together and figure out something for the month that we all can enjoy and feel included and um, accepted at. So that's that's amazing that's amazing yeah um such i'm looking forward to it so can you tell us a little bit about what we have to look forward to in april yes um so the festival kicks off uh on the third at art walk so the the main library what up shawana brooks um (laughs) but the main library the makerspace the jack's makerspace is going to be uh partnering with Friends of Hemming Park to do poetry mm-hmm. um, all night, like uh, featured sets and open mics uh, awesome. all night during our art walk. And that's going to be exciting. There are poets um, that we will be honoring uh, and recognizing throughout the entire month. Um, on the 7th, uh, the Museum of Contemporary Art is allowing me to bring uh, the Her Story of Hip Hop. Uh, in the form of a concert yeah. to their UNF uh, theater inside. Wow. What's the title of that, that it's show? It's called The God MC. Oh my gosh, I was going to ask. <laughs> That's one of my questions. Okay. Yeah. It's called The God MC. And um, I'm honored to be able to be in my city and present 
uh, the untold history of rhythm and poetry as it pertains to the um, muting and erasure of the feminine voice and influence in a culture that has reshaped popular culture and changed the world. And um, I wanted, as an artist, so desperately to be free to create and um, not feel the pressure to make political commentary behind my artwork, but just allow my artwork to speak for itself. But mm -hmm. the issue I kept running into is I'm a hip-hop artist, and hip-hop um, has an awful history of the treatment and representation of women, and specifically yeah. black women. Mm -hmm. And uh, it has nothing to do with politics. It has everything to do with my humanity. And as a human um, who creates for a living, I have to tell the truth about my experiences. And my experience as a lyricist has been one of um, marginalization and uh, outright blatant discrimination when it comes to my skills and my platform and being accepted in the hip-hop environment. Although hip-hop was founded by a black woman. Interesting. It mm. would Cool Herc is the little brother of Cindy Campbell, mm. whose party it was that day, wow. August 11th. Okay? And it wasn't his party. He was the borrowed help for his sister, wow. who had a following, who had an audience, who wanted to throw a back-to-school party to make some money before they went back to school. Mm -hmm. And um, she... I paid $25 to rent the rec center. She uh, went and got index cards from school and made handmade invitations and passed them out. Uh, she booked her little brother to DJ at the party. Um, and she went and purchased food and beverages wholesale and then charged 50 cents for the fellas and 20 cents for the ladies. And made $500 that day. Wow. And her little brother managed to invent the breakbeat during that um pinnacle event yeah. and so we say cool herc is the father of hip-hop because he did something awesome on his turntables that day and i can't take that away from him so he did something wonderful for djs that day mm -hmm. but his sister cindy did something wonderful for the culture she's the first hip-hop promoter she's responsible for this entire culture Shout and i get cindy. a chance what up cindy <laughs> i get a chance to say her name yeah. on stage in the company of artists i love and respect both male and female um, that are willing to like uh, pay homage to the truth and um, willing to allow me to express my humanity and artistic vulnerability um, in a way that um, gives honor to those who made it possible for me to speak freely um, behind a 808. So. That's amazing. That I did great. not know that's that. I just story. learned something. That, yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. I can't. <sighs> Sylvia Robinson mm -hmm. uh, produced Rapper's Delight. And the reason why wow. the Sugar Hill Gang is the Sugar Hill Gang is because she signed them to her label that she owned yep. called Sugar Hill Records. And she was the first record label executive to sign a rap act, period, yeah. in period. history. Yeah. Sylvia Robinson. And we yeah. should say her name more often. Absolutely. And uh, it should be known just as much as we know um, any of the record label execs. Russell Simmons is credited for being the first uh, hip-hop label exec, and it's not true. Right. Sylvia had her label. She signed the first rap group, and she produced the first rap record. And um, 
it's unfortunate. Yeah. It's unfortunate that the first Grammy nominated best rap solo um, was Roughneck by MC Light. Wow. Yeah. And that people don't say that either. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, it's like, and so this was this was going to be my question to to both of you because you both are, you know, uh, women leaders within this city in the arts community. And so, how do you all, um, as she was stating, it's like, you know, we are understate. You know, as women, sometimes we are underestimated. And so, you know, uh, starting with Christina and then Ebony. How is it as you being in leadership in the arts as a woman, um, do you find, you know, some you're underestimated, any type of discrimination? Do you have to fight a little harder um, to get your point, your view across? Um, well, I think it's interesting that the biggest poetry celebration that Jacksonville has ever seen is being produced by three women. I would say that there's one advantage in being a woman and that we tend to be collaborators, yeah. perhaps more so than a lot of men. I, I'm experiencing good things today in the arts as a woman. When I was working in the traditional business world as an attorney, and a banker, I really faced more challenges then than mm-hmm. I do now. Um, I hear Ebony, everything that Ebony's saying, and um, I i was a young girl when uh, Rapper's Delight came out, and I've heard all the stories about Sylvia Robinson and, yeah. and have deep respect for her um, and, and agree that we need to tell those stories now. But, you know, I, I think we're at a point now that women are really ready to... Yeah take ownership of the awesome things that they've done the awesome things that they've done and uh, if you look at Jacksonville our new head of the cultural council is a a wonderful woman Mm -hmm. uh, who um, I'm hoping is going to be one of our poetry readers Um, one one of the things we're doing for poetry month is uh, every Thursday in Hemming Park we're going to be introducing the community to poets both um, from history and current poets and having poetry readings in the park to share poetry with the community and um we've got a number of um celebrity celebrity readers who'll be coming out uh (laughs) from the city to share um their original work and um poetry by others that they that they admire so um while yes there's definitely a history of discrimination and challenge against women and women today um, face incredible odds in many areas. I do think because of women's willingness to work together and collaborate and support each other, that that's about to change. It is changing. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. What about you, Ebony? How how would you follow up with that? Um, As a, as a woman, I feel like I'm a, I have the, ability to be a master creator um, and that uh, not because I have a womb but through the experience of having a womb um, creation takes on a new meaning in my vessel and my body um, and with my vessel and with my body and, um, and it's been my experience that as an artist I find myself just documenting uh, the human experience and it's a collaborative one and so it comes natural, as Christina said, 
um, for us to collaborate. Yeah. And that's that's been my entire artistic experience is collaborating with the other brilliant minds in the room. Mm -hmm. And it's never mattered uh, what, what their pronouns are. It's never mattered. Uh, what I've experienced in return is that um, sometimes my gifts are, offend people who maybe um, are not of the same gender as me. Um, it, that a lot of times my genius has come across as being condescending and my um, passion has come across as aggression. And mm. I find myself having to explain myself in ways yeah. other people don't. Mm. And that bothers me a lot. Um, but I, I think like even on sports world, Serena Williams encountered that uh, on mm. the like uh, day she had that match taken from her. And she, she was just being an athlete, like being passionate. Right. But it was perceived as aggression. And um, I find myself explaining that away a lot. And I... I don't know. I haven't figured that out, but I'm definitely in a space where I feel as inspired and supported. And my greatest supporters have been women. I can say that hands down. Mm -hmm. The people who have like bought up all my books and um, come by my website and book me for shows, like the vast majority of them have been women. Mm -hmm. And that feels good. I don't feel bad about that. I feel empowered and loved yeah, and nurtured. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. So you just gave birth recently. How old is your baby girl now? She's one year, five months. One year, five months. Wow. Yes, she is. How has that changed you as a woman? How has it changed your outlook on poetry? And um, has it softened you? Has it made you harder or stronger? Uh, there's no hood like motherhood. Motherhood is the hardest, most gangster hood on the planet. <laughs> Um, Christina Nightingale. Yeah. I have four children. <laughs> I, I can completely relate to it, that. Uh, it has improved me in every way. It has informed me in every way that another human can be informed. The closest you can be to someone is inside of them. Yeah. No one has ever been close to me the way that my daughter has. So therefore, nobody can ever get to me or affect me the way that she can. Mm -hmm. uh, that's a very powerful being that exists in my circle of influence right now. And my entire being revolves around her. Um, and my success is because of her. Because losing is not an option for, it should be a not, not an option for anybody, but it's not an option for a mother. Mm -hmm. Period. Yeah. <laughs> right. The responsibility is like, too great. It's just the the stakes are too high, yeah. man. Like, um, I was sharing this with uh, one of my sister friends, and I was letting her know that um, I, I accept it and I'm okay with it. But the truth of the matter is, no matter in the way in which um, my father showed up for me, there was a bond that him and I had that was unbreakable. Mm -hmm. No matter how long he may have been away, no matter what he did while he was away, when he came around, I was just happy to have him there. Mm -hmm. um, my mother could have been there every single day of my life, wiped every runny nose, changed every poopy diaper. And um, she's held to a different standard because if she was there and made a mistake, that mistake becomes um, a wound Mm. that I hold against her for the rest of my life. And I didn't feel that same way about my father. And I wanted to understand that because I now am a single mother and I want to know in what way um, 
I can prepare myself because that's gonna happen. Absolutely. Like, yeah. um, and I I don't want to traumatize my child by like spazzing out every time she mentions her father or how much she loves him. Um, but I also don't want to traumatize myself by feeling inadequate because uh, the way in which she responds to me is different than the way or more um, just she holds me to a higher standard. Yeah. You know, I think that's the biggest problem women face today is that society sets these expectations. Yes. So when you were talking um, earlier about how you were viewed because you were a woman in your art, that carries over to other things like politics. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. A woman candidate is expected to smile and be positive. And if she makes a strong statement, (laughs) then she's viewed in a negative way where a man's expected to be strong. And what you said about fathers and mothers is so true. Society will condemn a woman who doesn't do everything perfectly and they'll praise a man who just shows Shows up. up from time to time right. <laughs> you know, oh my god he picked the kids up in carpool one day he's awesome and that's got to change I mean that yeah. that's I think one of the areas where we're at the biggest disadvantage right now is that yeah. expectation still exists and women hold themselves we do um, accountable and feel guilty well you know what and I feel like that's an individual journey because we have to as individuals come to that place to say I was created as an individual. What is my journey? What is my walk like? And but we're not taught to remove expectations. We're not, you know, we're we're taught to carry those expectations just like we're taught that we're supposed to play with Barbies. We're right. supposed to, you know, and that or or that at a certain age you're not supposed to play with dolls. Right. I mean, I remember at 13 still wanting Barbies. You know, and my mother telling me, you're too old for you know, that. you're too old for that. But I love dolls. So then I began to hate, you know what I mean? Like, so I, I guess it's just like when we have that knowledge, yeah. like you were talking about the collaboration. If we can collaborate and share our knowledge yeah. with one another and just plant seeds, I think that it will spread. And I think I think more and more women are through this even through the me too movement are understanding that you know we do have value maybe the rules are not these are who made these rules right. who said right. who said this is how i'm supposed to be or i'm supposed to act let's talk about it right you know and so one of the most interesting changes i viewed recently when we talk about how women collaborate better um when I was growing up, you always heard about how men had these easy friendships and girls were always out to get each other. Yeah, right. And and that was yeah. um, that yeah. was always the conversation. Oh, guys are always close because they play yeah. sports and it, you know they Team never yeah. um, stab each other in the backs or whatever. And yeah. girls are out to get each other. And that's a myth that we yeah. all grew up with. Yeah. And it's like we were taught that we were supposed to be yeah. kind of hold our friends mm-hmm. off a little bit and be watching yeah. our backs and. As I've gotten older, I've learned that's not true at all. Right. The people who, yeah. su- just like you were saying, the people who support your work the most, yeah. the people who support me the most tend yeah. to be my female friends so, or other women in the community. My sisters have proven themselves to be my comrades and not my competition mm-hmm. every chance I've given them. 
even when we're billed on the same show, even when we have a, the same show the same week or the same night, like it has been love. That's what I've experienced. And what I see in the artistic arena is the media trying to put a competitive spin on that. Right. Like it can't be Cardi and Nikki, it has to be Cardi versus Nikki. Right. Um, and like there's a lot to say about that it was Lil' Kim versus Foxy Brown mm-hmm. all of that kind of <laughs> stuff and like uh, I feel like when MC Light and Queen Latifah and Yo-Yo and all of them came out yeah. they were just happy to be there yeah you even see it like with um, when Solange Knowles came out with her you know her album not this one but the one before a seat at the table yeah the seat at the table and people even then were trying to say Solange versus Beyonce and you know but I love that they were like no we're completely different we know that and there's no comparison you know so yeah I love the conversation we can talk all day about this I know we can I think we need a a women's round table where women literally speak freely and and there's just the open conversation um, I, as a male, was I was raised by a village of women, yeah. which is why I'm, I'm I, I show a lot of sensitivity. You know, I'm, I appreciate a woman, and I know how to like my aunt says I'm the best date. I know how to you know, <laughs> open the door for a woman. You know how to treat a woman yeah. because you you you, you have that expectation. I, I, I can cook, cook too. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I can cook. He can I make some mean tea. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <laughs> yeah. So um, it's and and I and I would always uh, take a back seat to a woman um, in in any way because I don't I think none of us would be here without a woman. You know, so everybody got a mama. Yeah, yeah, and women have a different perspective on everything, just in general. So um, I, I just admire both of you as women, and yes. um, I, I look forward to uh, to next month and all of the wonderful words, the words. So speaking of words, would you share a few words with us? Yeah, are you prepared to? to she always, to rhyme? <laughs> she's always prepared. <laughs> she's going to yeah. Um, yeah, I'm a lion in stilettos with the Coca-Cola frame. Emerged from all the stardust, I was born to entertain. I don't need to play your games. I don't need to rock with lame. Shouty fly as a bird, main number one stunner. Not one likeness among us, so don't compare me to none yet. I'm on my goddess ethereal, kingdom full be imperial, microphone killer serial, cuckoo puffin' this lyrical crack, I'm basing your stereo, glow be fully empirical, still explosive material, no. <laughs> I'm out here with the Damien flow, MJ Baker to my left, Christine to my right, yo. Blue is the photographer, shooters in the squad, yo. We sitting at the radio, WJCT Taste Test Radio show NPR flow wow that was fresh <laughs> right off the dope. right off the medulla oblongata <laughs> amazing <laughs> yes and, and speaking awesome. of NPR that reminds me we should talk about some of the programming we have planned for um, Poetry Fest yeah probably. because we have an amazing uh, artist who has become very successful on NPR he's going to be here with us on April 27th Who's from our city, Mr. Al Lepson. Yes, yes. absolutely. And, um, he is flying in from San Francisco to host our closing celebration for Jack's Poetry Fest that's going to feature a lot of other amazing poets from Jacksonville. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
will be in Hemming Park on April 27th, I think starting at 5 o'clock. We've got DJ Mike Monster Robinson, uh, who's going to spin all night. We have um, Matthew Cuban, Cuban Hernandez. Hernandez. He's coming home from L.A. Yeah. Um, Kia Flo is coming down. Kia Flo, National Slam champion. Yep. Kia Flo uh, is coming back. Love Reigns will be with us. Yes, yes she will. Also, uh, the Cypher Open Mike Poetry and Soul. Tiffany Stewart Melanson. Yeah. And of course, uh, Ebony Payne English. Yeah. We, um, the creme the 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 de la yes. creme. Yeah, creator writing yeah. at Douglas Anderson. It's going to be an yeah. amazing night. And leading up to that, you know, we start off with Art Walk next week where they'll be announcing some High School Poetry Award winners. Melissa Ross from WJCT will be hosting yeah. that part of the program. We'll have some uh, featured sets um, from some local poets. And something that I'm excited about, um, Douglas Anderson's Spoken Word Club is going to host an open mic for us nice. yeah. at the end of the evening. So Yay. like we always try to do in Hemming Park, we try to celebrate young people. Yeah. Yeah. And that's something that needs to happen more in this community. Yeah, you know, we have a lot of issues with education and violence and, and everything else and people who feel lost. And so here's another opportunity that young people in our community are going to get to come out and um, be the stars of the show and, and yeah. organize something. So um, they'll be in the park on Wednesday. And then after that, the next day on Thursday and every other Thursday in April, we'll have our poetry readings in the park. We have a number of people who are going to be presenting and on April 18th, the entire program will be done by um, poets from Douglas Anderson. So oh, a group nice. of students are going to come out and take a whole two-hour block in the park, and they're going to both present a work by an artist who inspired them and then work of their own. So oh, nice. I hope a lot That's of people will join us for lunch Yay. and hemming and, and experience that. Poetry is an art that um, not enough of us appreciate or right. spend time with and um so I hope that we teach a lot of people in Jacksonville about the importance of poetry and what the written and spoken word can, can do for people mm. during the month of April. Yeah. So one thing I love about Jacksonville is we have such an incredible history. Um, and one problem that we have and one reason we remain um, an unappreciated city is that we don't do a good enough job of sharing that history whether it's talking about the Johnson brothers or um, Augusta Savage or other um, important people um, from the early days of Jacksonville. With Poetry Month in April, we're going to share information about George Dillon, who is a Pulitzer Prize-winning poet from Jacksonville that I just discovered sort of by accident. So during one of the poetry reading um, in Hemming, I'll be sharing information about Mr. Dillon, who was born here in the early 1900s and became editor of the country's most important poetry magazines and won the Pulitzer, had an affair with Edna St. Vincent Millay, one of the most famous poets to ever live. Uh, so you'll get to hear uh, poetry from Mr. Dillon and learn about him. And um, because while we have incredible spoken word artists now. I think it's important to also recognize the poets from the past in Absolutely. our city. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm also very appreciative of the fact that the um, Florida... Um, oh. The Florida Humanities Council? <laughs> I was going to say Division of Humanities. I'm so appreciative of the Florida Humanities Council who is helping to um, fund our programming. We um, 
did a grant application with them earlier this year and, and were awarded some funds to help bring Mr. Letson to Jacksonville and provide this important programming for the city. So I want to give them a shout Al out. for um, coming for the home show. When we hit up Al just to say, hey, uh, we would like you to host the closing events for Jack's Poetry Fest. What is your honorarium? And he was like, oh, it's home. So if you can get me there, I'm down. And um, I, I honor him for that because he, he's accomplished so much he doesn't have to right. feel that way. Absolutely. So. He's won Emmy Awards, Peabody's, Peabody. uh, has yeah. um, a reputation yeah. that's worldwide. He's a Def Jam poet. Yes, yeah. he's incredible. He's sat where I'm sitting right now, too. Um, yeah, <laughs> he's and he's, um, he, I don't know when the show will air, but I'd like to let people know that Al will be in town um at the end of March to produce for the final time um, his performance Summer in Sanctuary to benefit the Sanctuary in Springfield, which is an incredible program for children um, that Al's been involved with for many years. So he'll be flying home for that then going back to San Francisco and, and coming out to join us in April. And he has just been willing to do anything we've asked of him and can't say enough about Al. He's a, a wonderful person. When Jacksonville takes care of our artists, the yes. artists take care of Jacksonville. That's right. Yes. That's right. Yes. <laughs> so, Blue, you had a few questions for Ebony. Yes. <laughs> but before I get to the questions, I want to share some backstory. Yeah. When I first met Ebony, um, it was at Love Love Rain show. What? Wait, it was a poetry show. Artistry. Was it artistry? No, it was at a cafe three thirty one. You remember that downtown? Yeah, was it the artistry? Rain show. Yeah, yeah, and um, and uh, or the I cipher. Had, they were both. There. I think it was a cipher. Yeah. yeah, and I had just got into, um, like I I knew Matthew Cuban, and I knew me, me and, at the time me and Seven were like good friends, and me and Moses West used to do the poetry thing, and um, and I went to high school with I Rod, so before the whole the um, I'm not gonna say germination of poetry sprouted, <laughs> but yeah. it. It was like a nucleus, and everybody kind of broke up and did their own thing, and yeah. it was just amazing. So when I met Ebony, uh, her ma- at the time, her manager was like, hey, I want you to take her pictures. And I didn't know her. We didn't know her, but we felt each other's spirit. So yeah. as soon as we started talking about taking pictures, I immediately started thinking and, and, and visualizing. And I hadn't felt like that so much when I started my photography journey at the time. Like, I was always trying to, oh, um, hey, you do photography? Yes. Um, here's my price. Here's my website. And I was always in business, but when I met her, like, all that went out the window. Like, we went out to like some parking uh, Riverside and I remember I dropped one of my brand new lenses you but did for that shot yeah, you dropped anyway, I had a just brand paid new lens dollars. into oh. the St. John but I had a shot of me we stood in the middle of this dirty water <laughs> Just to get this shot, like I got the he shot. Got the shot and dropped the, and lens. Dropped the lens. It was a thousand dollar lens. Yes, just it was. But it yes, was worth it, it because at that time, I tell everybody about that moment. Yeah, I, I, I and I appreciate the moment because it's something that I remember because it's not a painful memory. Because at that time, it was like a conception thing for me because that that was my time of like creating something that I visualize it. Like I didn't. Before I took the picture, I saw it. So when I took the picture, it was worth it. I was like, hey, you know, at least I got the shot. Yeah. And so it any, became my album cover. Yeah, it became my album right. cover. Yeah. Yeah. And I, man, when I, tell, yeah. when I tell you, like, I've had people, like, all over the world just be like, 
oh, I love that shot. Oh, hey, I met Ebony at a show <laughs> in, in another in another country or something or another state and city. And they'll just be like, hey, I, I Googled and I found out that you took the picture. This is amazing, you know. So people would just reach out they so over the, the years. photographs he took of me in the Ritz. Yeah. They yeah. Put it so it, you got your $1,000 back. Yeah, oh, yeah, I got it back. Oh, yeah, I got it back. <laughs> Exposure bucks. I got it back. But um, the reason why I wanted to come on and ask a question because um, right before she had her child, I was just amazed by her because she actually waited to let, you know, she, um, you know, people took pictures, but she wanted to save and embrace the moment for me to take the picture. So I drove up to Atlanta and um, at that time she was having, uh, was you having health problems with the baby? I was very sick. I almost died. I, yeah. I coded the day after she was born. Good thanks. They resuscitated me and I'm here to yeah. be my daughter, but they were just trying to. At this point, they were just trying to get me to a safe place for her because they didn't think that I would survive the delivery. Wow. So they were just, they held me up in the hospital as long as they could until, like, I was just in such poor health that they had to take the baby out because um, they wanted to get her to safety yeah. before I left this planet. And so I was dealing with all of that, and I was like... <laughs> He's my photographer. And like Blue and I just like the moments that he's captured in my life, they've there've been family gatherings. Yeah. My sister's retirement party. My niece's graduation party. Maternity pictures. my single release party, oh, yeah. my maternity picture. Like and your sister's maternity picture. My sister's <laughs> my sister my sister in law and Rather, my cousin. Oh my goodness. Yeah. You're just a family pictures. photographer. Right. He's yeah. he's my family's photographer. I'm yeah. dead serious. He's my yeah. family photographer. Wow. And I was like, I have a child come in me and birthed into this family and you are not about to have all these pictures in my family's house and then I give birth and there ain't no pictures of my child. My child, exactly. Oh, you got oh, you got yeah. and, and what's amazing was she had to go to Atlanta to have the child because they she yeah. had Emory, she had get some of the Emory best University doctors. University saved my life. They yeah. I had the best doctors on the planet. Yeah, she did. Um they came and they said, you know, we're going to get you through this. And um that is a testament too of the power of art. Yeah. Uh, it was because uh, my OBGYN was a fan of my artwork that she like felt compelled like that sh- to do every even if it wasn't her even if she had to send me someplace else she was like um, you're gonna get the health that you need I don't care who I have to call who I need to refer you to I need to tell this story to you but like um, you need you need better care that's amazing and um yeah emory university they sent me the best they're the ones who wrote the textbooks on it and um they got me i survived and the baby's healthy right women of color that passed away giving birth in this country and yes mahogany rose was always that's the thing there was nothing ever wrong with her yeah, that's <laughs> I was the one that got sick. She was in there kicking and moving and flying, and we call her Super because she was in there unbothered. Yeah, like what's up with you? But she say she also saved my life because um, she breached herself and started kicking my placenta into my cervix until I began hemorrhaging, and they couldn't wait any longer. They had to take her then because wow. uh, they couldn't stop the bleeding, and so they had to take her. And when they took her, I was so weak, my I was so out of it and depleted. Um, that I just wasn't strong enough. I had a blood transfusion, um, and it just wasn't enough. It wasn't good enough. Uh, they were able to resuscitate me, and then Mahogany Rose was in the hospital for two months. And during that two-month time, I healed and recovered. 
And I got myself into a place where I could bring her home. Blue came to Atlanta and was like, I want to take some pictures. And I was like, <laughs> we are not taking pictures of my baby with these tubes. And then, like, no, yeah. when yeah. she comes home, we will take pictures. Yeah. But we're not we're not doing it like this. Not like this. Yeah. Yeah, um, so. And we did. Yeah, we did. Was, and and then, now it's art. Yeah, it's art. Yeah. <laughs> um, I remember somebody drew a picture of the album yeah, cover. Yeah, of their album cover. And I, I'm like, my eyes got watery because when you see it, well, you seen her album cover? Mm hmm. They were it. in prison. The yeah. person that drew that picture was an inmate and mailed it to me. Wow. Well, drew the picture of the shot that. Cost a thousand dollars. Yeah, I and was, mailed it to me. Oh, even the other shot with the, then, you and your baby, and then the girl, the, ma- the young lady, the mahogany roses birth shoot. I was a painting. She paint. That's a painting. Yeah, that's a painting. Yeah, that's an acrylic painting. Um, she painted the, the photograph that he took. So many people have John and Joanne Walton. Yeah, from Stank Sauce yeah. drew a picture. I seen him. He took. Yeah, the Ritz. he told me about. It. He said, yeah, yeah he told me about it. I didn't. Even, I haven't Walton seen that one. When he, I have all of them. Yeah, I didn't know he was a visual artist. He is. Well. He went to DA for visual arts. Yeah. So. Yeah. So um, all this talent in the city. It's yeah. amazing. Yeah. yeah, so when we when I took her pictures recently with the baby, it was like, as I'm taking the pictures, I was feeling like we have all these memories. And when you look at the pictures, it's just like I knew her when she <laughs> got into poetry. I knew her when she was getting into relationships and growing. And I seen I seen the teacher, and she was working with kids with uh, Troy McNair. Like, I seen so many levels yeah. on Facebook. So when I was taking these pictures, it just felt I felt all the memories coming and yeah. you know what I'm yeah. saying it's just like all the experiences the ups and downs I was always there every time she did it's like certain shows I would just yeah. come pop up here and there I remember she came to Jacksonville did her first show I came and popped up and so there was always like like just memory you know just memory lane mm-hmm. type moments that just like flood this is a collaboration we're talking about collaboration like yeah. um, Blue has been one of my most trusted and consistent and dependable collaborators. Really, me? If I, if I, <laughs> she make it sound good. <laughs> shoot with Blue, we create something that is timeless and classic mm-hmm. that I can use forever. Forever, yeah. Forever, and um, yeah, he fo- he was the first one to photograph me in my gaylay professionally, mm-hmm. and um, <laughs> I take that very seriously. Yeah. Uh, my the uh, secrets of my art. It was it was for Ebb and Flow. Oh, was it for Ebb? That okay. was the first time. Oh, I was that was ever the name of the Angela. shoot. That that was the that name. That was the name of the shoot. Oh yeah, it Secrets was Ebb and Flow, <laughs> and then Secrets of My Eye was my book. Book, yeah, right. Okay, gotcha. and we did you. that Escape to Ethiopia. Okay, we did that. <laughs> we did, we did so many things. We had so many themes. We did the Diana Ross tribute. I did. Yeah. I happy birthday, that. Diana Ross. Happy today. birthday, Diana. Oh, yeah. Yay! Birthday. Turn up. I knew it was. Yeah. Peace, Ei. That's MJ Spirit Animal. Wait, I, I see right? it. Spirit energy. I like, see it. I see it. Yeah, Diana Ross. She New Year's when she said happy birthday to me. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, she was a little bit early. <laughs> we talked early. about that earlier. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take it. I'll take it. She had that captive audience. Diana though. Ross, yeah, she taught me how to serve. And um, uh, ironically, my daughter's name is Mahogany Rose. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I sing that song to her when she was in the hospital. Do you know yeah. where you're going? And she loves it. So we did a Diana Ross theme before Mahogany was conceived. We did a Diana Ross, Diana Ross Mahogany themed photo shoot. It's beautiful. And yeah. um, 
Yeah, that was when Michael May was still here. To yeah, my Michael May. Yeah, she man. gave me bottom lashes. And, bottom la- yeah, we did it all. Yeah, Tracy Evans from Me yeah, Bark, Bark styled yeah. me, and we just like we gave tribute, and it was dope. So, yeah, I, I we said all that just to ask one question. <laughs> all I wanted, <laughs> all I wanted to ask you was. Why haven't we worked on any musical poetry together? That's one thing I feel like we're missing. Like, like you, like, like, what's the problem? Do you hate me? <laughs> have you, after, okay, hold on a second. After you've heard everything she said, how can like, you ask her that question? Why can't we work on any music? Like, why can't we be like a musical butterfly? Like, we, we was in this cocoon with pr- photography, and let's create music. But you don't want to do that with me? Like, what's wrong? Have you asked me to do that with you? Mm. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> like we should just do something. Okay. You don't think that go, be go dope? Ahead, go ahead and shake. Well, shake no, what I'm saying is this is the first time he's saying this to me, and then he's no. Saying, we was in a car when we went this. to the beach. You remember we did a photo shoot on the beach with the. Yes, I and remember. We was, we was listening to music. I said that'd be dope if if I could say a poem, and then you know, like I don't know if you remember that, but we was on the beach. We no, did a photo shoot. I don't. And you styled the shoot for me I or did. something. I remember styling it. And you was in a car with me. Yes. Because um, I think I picked a you up a very beautiful Ghanaian, yes. Yeah, yes, you yes, styled, yes. yeah. Yeah, you styled the shoot. I wrapped her, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yes. You, you remember that? I remember that perfectly. Well, in the conversation when we was in the car was, I was like, we was listening to Ainsley Barrows. Yes. And there was a particular song that came on between a guy and a girl, and they was going back and forth. I said, that'd be cool if me and you could do something like that. And what did I say? I think you said, yeah. It would be. It would be. Oh. Oh, is that an invitation? Said, <laughs> and then you said. Uh-huh. What that I was sort of like you would say, uh, I'm going to call you tomorrow. Right. And you never call. <laughs> That's exactly you know? So like a man. <laughs> and then it's like, do you hate me? So it's your right. Like, was it something I said? So it's your own fault. It's my own fault. But I feel like she should have took the initiative oh, while she was no. pregnant. Why did she have to take the initiative? I, I think she should have called. While she was in the hospital. Right, while she was in the hospital. She should have called me right before the birth and said, hey, Blue, let's, let's schedule the studio time. time. You said it would be nice if we collaborated. <laughs> you should have called me right at the birth. <laughs> I think she was preoccupied with all Yeah, I, I think oh. Lou has just proved everything we were saying earlier about women. <laughs> <laughs> this is what happens to me all the time. Right before Mahogany was born, I text you. You didn't even call me. Like, maybe. <laughs> I'm just joking. No, he's not, though. He was texting me the whole time. I was like, Blue, I'm in the hospital. I'm literally in the hospital fighting for my Oh, yeah, I was texting you. Yes, you're like, I want to do this documentary. I have this idea of doing a documentary. I <laughs> She's telling the truth because I drove up to the hospital oh at Emory and I was sitting outside and I think she fell asleep for two hours and then I had jumped on the road and she texted me and said, oh, Blue, I'm sorry I went to sleep. <laughs> I said, okay, I'm on the road now. <laughs> I forgot. Yeah. I feel so bad. I was and Emily, your memory is like a I love, I'm up here joking and I, I remember I actually was texting her. <laughs> he was. 
try but to get it's us. cool. He loved me, and he never oh. for one minute thought that I was gonna die. Like he never thought. Yeah, I wasn't even thinking about that. He like was I like, heard talking to me all normal. He's like, we gonna do this documentary about your first year as a mother, and I'm all like, boo, this is not something I'm prepared to talk about. Considering at this moment, and like, he's like, no. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, don't worry, but you can do it. Yeah, yeah, like we need to plan. I don't it think now. I'm gonna live. No, you're gonna live. <laughs> Hit me up after the birth. <laughs> Dead serious, like yeah. He had great faith in you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. here I am. Yeah. I just, I just don't. Yeah. yeah, he went. Yeah, yeah. He, he was gonna live anyway. Oh my god, that was so funny. Gosh, I forgot so about that. <laughs> That's it for me. <laughs> I think we've established that you two are going to perform together. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yes. Maybe yes. that'll be the next Ebony Payne English song on Taste Test. Well, I'm gonna be at Ooh. the poetry. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I'm gonna be at the nice. festival. So. So I hope you're at the God MC too. Yeah, because so I missed the first one, so I'm being. Yeah, ex- exactly. Exactly. Me too. You know what happened with the woman who was there because Blue couldn't make it, and he had another engagement. And it was okay; he was excused. But somebody else had to photograph, and you know what happened to her? What happened? She got I invited to Sundance after she photographed <gasps> the goddess. Oh experience. wow! Oh, I got it. Oh, okay. she went to Sundance. I, I got to bring my camera. That's what happened. Okay. <laughs> I'm coming. I mean, not saying like. Nah, I know what you mean. I'm just yeah, yeah, saying, yeah, yeah. you know, I, you know, we yeah. curate magic. Yeah, I, I, yeah. <laughs> I can't miss this one. It's April 27th, right? Wait, the God MC. God MC is Two. April 7th. April 27th is Outlets and Party in the Park with Friends of Hemming Park and uh, Jack's Poetry Fest and Hope at Hand, the Performance Academy. Can you take a quick moment from a Hemming Park perspective and tell people how they can find this information? We have a very active social media presence, so you can find us on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter under at um, Hemming Park, and we also have a website, HemmingPark.org, and um, there should be information about all the different activities posted there. Yeah, and Ebony, can you take a quick moment and uh, tell people how they can find you? Uh, EbonyPayneEnglish.com, uh, E-B-O-N-Y-P-A-Y-N-E-E-N-G-L-I-S-H. And everything's there. Content, music, poetry, um, children's books, the whole nine. Yeah. Okay. And we're gonna we're gonna end this segment of uh, Taste Test Live with your song. No love. No love. K N O W. K N O W. Right here on Taste Test Live. Thank you so much, ladies. We appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Welcome back. Welcome back to 102.999 on your MF dial. <laughs> this your favorite DJ G Fizzle off the hizzle. We got my homie Ebony. You know what I'm saying? She talking about love and knowing love and what you know about love and how to love. You feel me? <laughs> but if you love somebody, put your arms around them and give them a great big old hug. You might miss them when they're gone. So, uh, everybody, you know, vibe on out to this. You know what I'm saying? No love on your MF down 102.999. Yeah. As a girl, I knew the world was sick. Sickness and prejudice, war and poverty, take your pick. And since that fateful day, the source of my dilemmas, man. Truth is in heaven, the power is what you do with it. So I've been called to a bar, my pencil on my sword. Losing a wavering wisdom when we can hurt our souls. But kicking knowledge for profit comes with a mighty price. He's all the dose and your doorway comes with a compromise. And when your wager is whether you got that shit you talking. I throw on my armor and keep my battle up. You can't be part 
on your principles So you show me love I just ask that you show me love I wanna know Test Live is supported by listeners like you. If you enjoy the show and want to make sure I can keep making it at this rate, then head over to tastetest.live and click the button that says Patreon. There you can learn how you can help and get some perks for your support. If you're unable to support Taste Test Live financially, then share the show. Tell your friends about it and subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast service. I really enjoy sharing this podcast with you and producing it every week. Thank you so much for listening.